0: Psalm 47, as we get ready to go into our praise time. I know it's a big time for celebration of freedom, and we may talk about the difference between freedom and liberty as we look at some stuff today. But let's look, uh, let me read to you. It says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, and shout to God with a voice of triumph. We're ready, Lord. You heard them. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. You know, we'll be in charge someday. Tell your neighbor, say you need to make it to heaven. You'll get to be in charge if you do. He will choose our inheritance for us. Right? But we try to do that. We get in the way, don't we? The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. How many believe He wants us to sing praises? Let me read that to you again. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. For God reigns over the nations. Yes, He does. And God sits on His holy throne, and that's what He brings into our midst when we praise Him. He brings His throne into our midst. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of our God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in His holy mouth. He's good, isn't He? Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him some praise this morning. He's worthy. I'm going to share with you a familiar story this morning that the Holy Spirit has burned within me, but I want to... uh, Share some things maybe you haven't thought about before. I'm going to give a piercing statement right off here. I believe the Holy Spirit set a solemn table for me today for a reason. If you don't have a heart for the lost, you don't have the heart of God. It's one thing to say it, and it's one thing to amen me. But are you living it? Are you witnessing to others? Are you reaching out to the lost? That we don't, and you're going to see that today. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. Everybody knows what's in Luke 15. It's that prodigal guy. There's a lot in here that the Holy Spirit's been revealing to me that I hadn't seen before. And I want all of us to, I want, there's something in here for everybody. In fact, what I would say to you this morning, some of this stuff, you may be in a season in your life that you think that file it all away. What you're hearing this today. Because there will be a season in your life where you're going to need to come back to this. There's so much in here in the prodigal. I want you, There's. we're going to talk about three sons. We'll get to my three sons. I remember that show. <laughs> Most of you think there's just two sons in this parable, don't you, or this story. We're going to talk about all three of the sons. We'll get to them in just a few minutes. Let's go to verse 11. Uh, he talked about a lost coin, Right? He talked about a lost sheep, and now he gets to the crux of the matter. He's going to talk about a lost person, a lost son. And in this story, we see the heart of the father. We see a lot of hearts, actually, in this story. And uh, so the question is, who suffers the most, the son or the father? Think about it. Humanity suffering because it's away from God. Right? How's God suffering? How much do you love somebody that's wallowing in the mud doing their own thing to send your son, your only begotten son, let's clear that up, distinction, to take their place and die for their sins knowing that most of them could care less? How much do you have to love to do that? When we were on vacation one time years ago, we lost Josiah. (laughs) He didn't lose us. He didn't know he was lost. I set the world record for running through a hotel. I mean, I ran. If I could have run that fast when I was in college, I'd have probably made it in pros. (laughs) They... uh, He wandered off. I thought he was going to his mom. She thought he was with me. And five minutes later, he's gone. And been gone. And, of course, people around us could tell we were panicking. and It was a bad feeling. A horrible feeling. To uh, have a son who's lost. And the Lord helped us. And... He was just wandering off doing his own thing. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was lost to us. You know what? That's what most of the world's doing. They're just wandering off doing their own thing. They don't know they're lost. So the prodigal, let's look at this. Is says, a certain man had two sons. Here's two of them we're going to talk about. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. So it sounds like he split it up between both of them, do not it? We focus on this one, but he said he divided them. He brought up both sons in the beginning here. And then he divided it to them, plural. Now, I was thinking about that. And not many days after, they'd had their... Split, right? <clears throat> and that's, what, that's how I want to be. When I get closer to the end of my life, I want to give the 300 dollars I got left away. <laughs> I want to watch somebody enjoy it. I, w- I want to see people enjoy whatever I'm going to leave them before I go. And so this father's kind of that way. He's given them what they had coming. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Your old King James Bible say riotous living. They mean the same. Wasteful, unwise living. Being wasteful and living unwise. He went out. I'm going to instruct you this morning. I preached some Wednesday. So if you missed it, you can go back and get some preaching. This morning I want to instruct you. As a good pastor. He went out wasting all he had. Now the older son still got his stuff, right? Now remember that. Because that's going to be important. He divided it between them. He didn't just give the younger son his stuff. He gave it to both of them. So the younger son, he got an older one and a younger one. The younger son, when he spent all he rose in a severe famine in the land, he began to be in want. He'd wasted everything. He's out there doing his own thing. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. So he's out of place. He's in a strange place. He didn't go back to his country. He went to that country. He started looking for help. Remember that. From people who could care less about him. He sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. He's out there on his own. He spent all he had. He's come to the end of himself. He's out there eating with the pigs. But it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise Go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm going to share a couple of three stories along the way, true ones that have happened in my life, to help you get a sense of this. One of my cousins, <clears throat> was uh, he wasn't a Green Beret. He was in some branch of service, but he was like that kind of guy. Special force training. And he was the guy that I grew up with, one of my relatives that I mean, he would pick a rattlesnake up a cop. it didn't matter. What he he was just that way. He was just you may call it crazy, you may call it brave, you may call it a little connection of both, I don't know. But it, nothing he wasn't afraid of anything. So he went to prison for armed robbery. And uh he stayed there. He was into everything else. When you get into armed robbery, you're pretty much into everything else before you get there. And he spent a lot of time in prison. And he, he was on his way out. I went to see him. He was on his way out. He was in what we called a halfway house. He had walked with the Lord before. And he got away from the Lord, lost everything, and wound up in prison. And he still had a good heart, quote, unquote. Because when he was in court getting ready to get sentenced, they asked him why he robbed that particular store. And he said, because I knew that guy had a lot of stores. I didn't want to rob somebody. It just had one store, I felt. He went to prison anyway. He's in that halfway house, and he said he was standing out there. In halfway house, you can leave. I mean, you can run off. I mean, there's no really restriction. He said he was on the river in Tennessee, and he was looking down at the river, and he had, in his heart, somebody had betrayed him before he went to prison. He said, "I, in my mind, he said, I knew what to do. He said, I was going to jump the fence. I was going to head down to the river. I was going to hit that river so the dogs couldn't take, catch my sin. I was going to float down the river. I was going to come out on the other side, and I was going to North Carolina to kill a man. He said, that's what was in my heart. He said, I was going to go to North Carolina and kill him. Because he had betrayed me. And he said, I stood at that fence. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Looking at that river. And he said, if you jump this fence and leave, your life's over. And he said, I come to myself. That's what I like in this verse here said, the, the prodigal came to himself. He said, I turned, went back. He said, they had church service that night at the place I was staying. He said, I come back to the Lord and gave my heart to the Lord. Amen. He was a true prodigal. My cousin was. This guy, the Bible said he came to himself and he remembered something about his country. Right? He remembered he had a father there. And he come, he, humility is set in at this point. He said, I will rise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now let me say something to you. It was in his heart he had to leave for it to come out. Sometimes God allows circumstances in our lives to bring things out of us. And so this prodigal leaves home. When he comes back, it's not good enough for God to like you. We have this affinity for people that we like. And because we like them, when they pass away, we want them to go to heaven whether they were righteous or not. Well, that's not how this works. It's not good. And I'm going to say this. It's not good enough for God to just like you. you got to be righteous. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Do you know what keeps me up at night? This has happened. Sometimes I bury people or know people or have been around people, but I, 99.9% that they went to hell. The person I went to high school with, Who they played ACDC, Highway to Hell, at her funeral. That bothers me to this day. It bothers me. It bothers me to see people live their lives and die in sin and celebrate it. It's not good enough for you to be a good guy or a good gal and for everybody to like you. That's not how you get to heaven. You've got to be right with the Father. And so he comes back. He's on his way. He's made his mind up. And I'm no longer... He said, I'm going to go back, tell him I've sinned. And said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The Greek says he smothered him with kisses. Smothered him. He's dirty. Guess where he just come from? The pig lot. But his dad's all over him. Smothering him with kisses. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Now, what happened, this was customary. When a son would leave home and come back, good or bad, they would, kill, they would have a threshold sacrifice. In other words, they would kill this animal, and, they would, and the reason they did that was in case pre-adventure they had sinned, and also to celebrate the return. Now, this is similar to what we've been studying with Job. Job would get up every day, remember, and sacrifice just in case his children had fallen into sin. And so the atonement is being made. But before, now I want you to hear this. Before the atonement was being made, the love was shown. The Bible says he loved us while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. Now the prodigal's coming home. Now we need to see more of this. We need to see more of it with our children and our grandchildren. We need to see more of it with just people in general. I don't care if you're nine or 99. We need to see more humility out of people saying, not coming in thinking they're uh, the best thing that ever hit the market, but coming in with humility and saying, I'll wash everybody's feet if that's what you want me to do. I'll clean the toilets if that's, what, if that's what's needed. We need more of that kind of humility in our lives, in our Christian experience. Not get out of my way, I've served longer than anybody. Not get out of my way, I'm smarter than anybody. Not get out of my way, I can do this better than anybody. But coming in, I don't care how good we are at something, just saying, I'll be the one that'll wash everybody's feet. Stinky old feet. You know, we, we use that symbolically from time to time in the church about washing each other's feet. And it is a symbolic message in there. But when those people came to people's homes... Their feet were dirty and stinky. Now, if we're going to have a foot washing, you know what all of y'all going to do? You're going to clean your feet. You're going to wash your toenails. Probably sprinkle a little G- Armani on them. You don't wear Armani on your feet unless it's foot washing night. But those people came out of the real world with dirty feet. So this guy's dirty, nasty, been hanging out with the pigs but the love is shown before the sacrifice was even made. Amen. Then they make the sacrifice. And you know the Father, you know this story. I'm going to get into some stuff you may have not considered before, just like that, about the sacrifice. But let me take you a little further. The Father said, Get all this going, said, This is my son who was dead. He calls him his son, right? And is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they begin to be married. So the atonement's being made. The love's being shown. The celebration's going to happen. But Remember that old son. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And they said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Now, he's angry. He got his half. He stayed at home. He had all his stuff put in a CD. Right? But the, the prodigal went out and spent all his stuff, and he's upset about the whole deal. He has no feeling of affirmation about the father's heart toward his lost brother. And I have to, we all have to admit this, Right? That we've probably heard these very words come out of our mouth. Well, I don't know why they live like that. they are raised just like I was. And instead of having compassion on them being lost, we're mad at them. I've been there. I've been there. But they are lost. And they're out there doing their thing. And here's what we've got to remind ourselves. Paul said if we break one part of the law, we broke the whole law. Now, this older son, he's, he's in a different position than the younger son, and a couple of things are going on with them, and we'll talk about them in just a minute, but let's look at his response. He was angry, would not go in. Father come out and pleading and the answer, said to his father, "Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for." him. A couple of things are happening here. This younger son, who's come back empty, has come to the end of himself. I got news for you, we're all going to come there. That's how God works in our lives. If you go back to Ezekiel, the Bible says he keeps emptying out the wine to keep getting the dregs out. And they continue to empty it from vessel to vessel to get more dregs out. It's kind of like the goldsmith and Malachi. Heating the gold up to get the impurities out of it. That's what God does in our lives. And if the best guy that we know, the two best guys that we know outside of Jesus Christ, the two guys in the scripture, we could probably say three, that have no flaws that we read about, although we know they were human, Daniel, Joseph, and Job, All three of them suffered immensely. They went through it. They were challenged. They had adversity. And God was doing great eternal stuff in them. The same thing He's doing in you. Just because you didn't live in Babylon and there's not a Bible story about you don't mean you and I aren't facing the exact same process that those guys face. We are. Our Father never changes. The Bible said He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changeth not. So we, we kind of do live in Babylon now, don't we? <laughs> Especially those people in certain cities in this country who kind of live in Babylon. We live in a world that's totally turned away from God for the most part and now we have a remnant left. A remnant of people that God's going to see if they're going to be faithful. You need to read this month's newsletter when it comes out. The difference between a disciple and a follower. Followers just do things when it's convenient. When it doesn't interfere with the rest of their life, Sacrificing is foreign to them, putting God in front of this or that. So the older brother, he don't have the heart of God. he's upset, and he said, or excuse me, of his father, and he said to him, "Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. And that was customary. Now, these guys, these two sons, they show us the value. One had the law, but he didn't value the person. Now, that's a religious person. That's a person that cares more about the church and their position or standing in a church than they do about the lost neighbor across the street. That's who the older son is. The older son cares more about what people think about him than what people think about God. And so they spend their time trying to bolster their own image instead of glorifying God and lifting Jesus up with their life. And they want to be recognized instead of Jesus being recognized. That's the kind of person this older guy was. They prepared this sacrifice. And again, I want to say to you it's not good enough for God to like you. We must be holy. We must be righteous. And there's only one way to be there. And that's accept Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can be righteous and holy and be brought into the family of God. It's not just being liked is not good enough. Just being a good person is not good enough. You must embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and follow Him. And become His disciple. Jesus is that only way. Two sons, the law... The value of a soul and a person. The prodigal was a sinner. The older son was a self-righteous Pharisee. He had all the things down. He stayed in his right spot. He stayed there, but he didn't have the heart of the Father. And that's what God wants in us. If you and I do not have the heart for the lost, for those who are lost, we do not have the heart of the Father. I heard one brother say, if you can't weep for the lost... You need to spend time with God till you can. We are so distracted, even religiously at times, with so many things we want to see happen and so many things we want to get done that we just kind of leave the lost along the way. Is that you and I on the road to Jericho? Are we the ones passing him by? Are we the ones passing him by? I gotta get to church. I can't stop and witness to them. I gotta get to church. I gotta get to work. I can't, I got a birthday party to go to. I know you want me to witness to them at Walmart, but I gotta get to this birthday party. Anybody going to birthday party today? If you do if you are, I didn't know it. <laughs> Things that crowd out the the Holy Spirit. You know what's happening? When you're at Walmart or wherever. And the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do something. And you've got a schedule. And you let your schedule interfere with the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what you just did? You just quenched the Holy Spirit. I heard this all my life because I grew up around the full gospel about quenching the Holy Spirit in the service. We quench the Holy Spirit 99% more in our own personal life than we ever do in the church service. Because He's there prompting us at the airport, at Walmart. He's calling us at four in the morning to roll on out of bed and to spend time with Him. To get up and read some passages, to turn the television off, to do this or to do that. That's when we quench the Holy Spirit the most. It's when we, it's our own personal life. And this, this son has stayed there with the Father the whole time. Yet He's not tapped into the heart of the Father. The prodigals come home and he has. We have to have that kind of heart. We may love the ministry dearly. We may love the church dearly. We may love what God's given us to do dearly. But if we love it more than the loss, we don't understand the cross at all. Now let me tell you some things about these guys. I want to remind you of something. I just used part of this phrase. Um... Most of the time. when I You've heard me say part of this. And I, <clears throat> it says, when I've told you that the young guy calls back to the monk in the cavern and says, uh, are you wrestling? Well, let me give you the whole clip of that. The monk says, the young guy calls back to the monk that went away to spend time alone. Says, do you still wrestle with the devil? And he says, no, we've both grown old together. So we don't wrestle anymore. And that's kind of a phrase, if you remember what Paul said in the New Testament, this, that kind of statement matches what Paul said. And he said, the world's no longer any good for me and I'm no longer any good for them. We don't, we don't, we're not compatible anymore. I'm not, I don't want nothing they got and they don't want what I have. And that's kind of what this monk's saying. And he says, uh, I wrestle with God Instead see the devil now. Now, do you see that? The young son's out there wrestling with the devil, air, Ross, and passion. The old son, my mic is really giving me fits today. The old son is wrestling with the father. Don't you to think about that? You that are older, think about as you've gotten older. How? Listen. When I was first in the ministry. Does anybody got any duct tape on them? When I was in the ministry first. I cared. Whether I. I used to think. Did I wear that last week? And I wouldn't wear it. Now I don't remember. If I wore it last week. And I don't care. And neither do you do you? Things change. They do change. I don't, this is a weird thing, but since I had heart surgery, I wear t-shirts. I've never worn t-shirts my whole life. Before I had heart surgery, I wore socks and no t-shirts my whole life. Now I don't want to wear socks, and I want to wear t-shirts. I don't, wear, I don't even wear socks with dress shoes. Something's changing. It's weird, isn't it? So Just go ahead and say it to you. Preacher is weird. But I got news for you. Uh, you're weird too. Because we all, we all go through change. And, and we all can look back and say, yeah, I was that product. I was full of passion. Whether you live the same kind of life, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, when you're young, think about this. When you're young, you get all the wood and the materials together. And you're going to build a bridge from here to the moon. Right? And when you get in your late 30s and 40s, you've got that same wood out back in your backyard building a shed. Because that shed's more useful than building a bridge to the moon. Life changes, but I want you to see some of that in these two guys. That's what I really want you to think about. We struggle with different forces at different seasons. You got this young prodigal, he's out there. And this monk is dealing with a young monk and they're having this discussion. And the end of the story that I usually tell is the the guy says, I'm wrestling with God now, not the devil anymore. And the young monk says, and you hope to win. And the old monk says, no, I hope to lose. You've heard me say that before. But the whole story is, is that he's moved into a different season. He's not wrestling with the passions necessarily, the things of this life. Now he's wrestling with the father. And you see, that happens. I've seen that shift in my own life. How that it goes from, I've come to a place in my life to where I'm thinking, man, I'm not nearly as smart as I thought I was. And do I really understand that? See, the old guy, he didn't understand it. right? The old son's son, well, how is this working? i've been here the whole time. He don't know the heart of the father, and neither did the young guy until he went out and came to himself. Now, the young guy's coming home finding the heart of the father, and the old guy stayed there the whole time, and still don't know the heart of the father. The young man. Life comes in two main seasons with some changing weather scattered throughout. Have you noticed that? Now here's the key. If eternal things are our priority, if that's first in our life, then we will make it through. If it's not, then we'll lose our way. If eternity is your number one priority, if eternity... Eternal things, things which cannot be seen. If that's your number one priority, you'll make it, no matter what storms come your way. But if it's not your top priority, then you'll lose your way. Put up Luke 21 verse 34 on the screen. Take heed yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness cares of this life and that day come upon you unexpectedly. Jesus is talking in Luke 21 there about the end of time. But there's a message in there. You see that? The young guy got caught up with the first part of that, didn't he? The old guy got caught up in the second part. He was so busy doing his stuff Just like Martha, right? Here comes Jesus over. Martha's in the back cutting chicken up to fry. Most likely fish. Put it in American terms. And Mary's sitting out there at the feet of Jesus. Martha's doing her thing that she's probably really good at. Then she comes out, kind of put out at Mary... Similar to the older son being put out with the younger son. But one of them was tapping into the heart of God. And the other one was busy doing stuff. The prodigal was full of energy and passion these two seasons. Tempted to use that for himself. That's how we are. We have that season in life and we have to overcome and we have to resist temptation and we need the Holy Spirit in us to do that says the prodigal is full of energy and passion and tempted to use that for himself that's how we live the first half of our life some have done both they have the sinner struggle they're struggling with the devil then this older brother His second half life, that's what he represents. Struggling with disappointment. Hmm? That's why you built the shed in the backyard instead of the bridge to the moon. Struggling with loss and anger. Why didn't I get? Why didn't I have? Wondering if the Father cares about us or our dreams. That's what we read. the devil's good. He's skilled at what he does. Let me read you something from somebody who um, will make you think. As we think about these two sons, one of them representing the first half of our life and the other one representing the second half. We switch wrestling. Then people get to wrestling with things like, has God been fair to me? That's how the devil works. Have I been fair to God? Have I given my all? Those are all things we think about in that second season. That first season we're running so hard and fast. Sometimes we don't think about all that in that second season when we slow down. He'll explain it here well. The huge uh, implications in terms of how we understand Christian discipleship. Simply put, invitations that come to us from Scripture. Scripture. Particularly from Jesus. They meet us in very different ways at different times in our lives. He'll explain that. He's not saying that the word means one thing one time something another time. Just listen closely. We hear them in one way when we are young and another in midlife. And still another different way when we are old and facing death. Now I didn't say that to be funny even though it came across funny. I've got so much... That I think about. And I don't think. I know there are issues that happen with people in life. And I I see some of that in my own circle. But I think there is some truth to people getting older. And having so much information. It takes a while for the computer to find it. (laughs) Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you think. So what I've shared with my wife. Is some things I've quit thinking about. They don't mean enough to me to think about them. So I don't care if I wore this same ensemble last week. It's not important enough for me to think about. Now, like I said, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't have thought that way. But I don't think about that now. In fact, I might just wear it three or four weeks in a row just so y'all can get a good look at it. True story, I heard about a rich woman who got... She was so vastly rich. she got she, her, her hook, you know, I've talked about the hook. Her hook was clothes. She had countless clothes in her closet. Many of them which had never... The tags... I feel like I'm getting in trouble here or something. <laughs> many, of, many of them which still had tags on. But she was very wealthy. Rich, rich. And so, in order to break herself from that, when she got saved, she shut her wardrobe down to two dresses. They were both the same. Just to break her from that. I thought that was some really good self-introspection, right? We, we, life comes in seasons, and we may value things here that we don't value there, right? And he talks about this. He says that it may say something to us at different stages in life. Some of His challenges are meant to help bring us to basic conversion, right? Some are meant to reopen the conversion, excuse me, to deepen the conversion, and still others meant to take the conversion to its full term. On one stage in our lives, Jesus calls us to give up something for God. On another stage, He calls us to give up everything. See what He's saying? And sometimes Jesus invites us to small conversions. And sometimes He invites us to martyrdom. That's why life changes. Because we heard that first call when He said, Hey, let the dead bury the dead. And then that next call on down the road was, You need to die to yourself. These prodigals, this prodigal, and there's probably a good chance that everybody in this building has been a prodigal. Maybe for a shorter season, maybe for a longer season. And I'm not talking about the specific dynamics of that prodigal fitting your life. I'm talking about you just being that person who at a season in your life, your life was more important to you than the things of God. And probably every one of us could say that. But maybe there's somebody like that here, now. This older brother. We ask what God's doing in your life today. And do you have those questions? I have had more questions about myself in the second half of my life than I ever had in the first half of my life. Because I don't don't believe I've arrived. Now I told you there were three sons, didn't I? And some of you probably, I hope you heard other stuff, because some of you are probably thinking, where is that third son? And Some of you may have figured it out already. That third son is the one telling us the story. It's Jesus. He's telling us the story about these other two sons. He's given us the heart of the Father. He's showing us... Remember what He said? He said, have I been with you so long you've not seen the Father? In fact, let me tell you a couple things that you may have forgotten about Scripture. I hope you haven't, but maybe we need to be reminded. Peter said that's how we're stirred up. Number one, the Holy Spirit didn't come to talk of Himself at all. And He's the greatest agent in the earth right now. He is the third person of the Godhead. But Jesus was here to point us to the Father. How unselfish of both of them. Neither one of them sought the limelight like we see people do in our world today. Even in the church at times. They Jesus would say after he hits him, go don't tell anything to anybody. Go do what Moses said. Just go up to the priest. The Bible says about the Holy Spirit, He did not speak of Himself, but He came to just speak of Jesus. So Jesus gives us an illustration, and He said, "Have I been with you so long? You've not seen the Father." And I'll give you an illustration here. When Jesus is out there, there's a scripture that says uh, they call Him good, and His response was. There's none good except the Father. Now, Jesus. this has been misrepresented and mispreached in pulpits. Jesus wasn't saying He wasn't good. He's perfect. He didn't do any wrong. He cannot sin. What Jesus is saying, if you recognize me as good, you've got to recognize me as part of the Godhead, as the Father. He wasn't saying that He wasn't good. We know that He was perfect. And can't do any wrong. He was just, they were wanting to recognize him as a teacher, as a, a rabbi or whatever. <clears throat> but he said, you got to recognize me as God. Because he was God in the flesh, the Bible says. So this third son is Jesus. He's telling us this whole story. Why would he tell us this story? Just so we could see how God can redeem the backslider or the guy that walked out. He's telling us the whole story. He could have just gave us that side of the story. But He knows how life falls out. There's probably not a person who's crossed 45 years old that's not thought this in there about themselves. I could have done something different. Do you know what keeps me up at night? Is burying somebody or knowing somebody's passed away that I don't know or maybe more leaning toward they didn't make it to heaven than they did and thinking if I could have done something else. I've lost a lot of sleep this week, actually. Because I just wondered, could I have done something else? Because I know that the only thing that has value to God in this world is the souls of men and women. Because I read somewhere in this same book that He's going to destroy everything else. going to burn it all to the ground. There's going to be nothing left. You didn't bring nothing into this world. You're not taking nothing out when you leave. So you might as well start enjoying it. Spend your grandchildren's inheritance. (laughs) Somebody said they already did. This microphone's got a demon in it. I believe it does. So this third son, I want to tell you about this third son. He's represented there. When he loves and smothers this old dirty son coming home from the pig lot. All over him, smothering him. He's been out there in the first half of life, showing us how the first half of life can actually tempt us into doing our own thing. Whatever our own thing is, it doesn't matter. And then we got that old guy who's been sitting around stacking all his money up, counting it for days on end. Look how much I've got now. Look how much I've got now. And then when the son comes home, he can't rejoice in him being redeemed because he's stuck himself. He's stuck in the mud too. He just don't know it because he can't see the heart of the Father. i share another story with you. Some of you heard this. It's really been on my mind lately. But I, I grew up with somebody, went to high school with, had sweet fellowship with their family. This guy really was on fire for the Lord a long time. And over time, he drifted away. And he wound up turning to the homosexual lifestyle, a friend of mine. And he knew where I stood, I stood with the scripture on that and we had some conversations, but he lived off from here, away away. And he lived that lifestyle. When he would come home, he would come to church. He'd sit on the back row. We would talk after church. I didn't have to tell him right from wrong. He knew. I didn't condemn him. I just loved him, and he knew I would be there for him. If you ever needed me, this would happen about once a year. He would come in and he would sit in church service. After I preached, we'd talk for a little while. And then he came in one Sunday and he sat on the back row, and this time was different. He said, Can I come to your office and talk to you? I said, Yeah. So after church, we went back to my office and he said, "Uh, I'm dying. He said, my life has caught up with me. And he said, I'm moving home because I only got a little while to live. he said, I want you to do my funeral. And we went through all that. And he said, but all those people who I thought were my friends in Texas... None of them are my friends anymore. Now that's how sin works. It doesn't matter what the sin is. That's how it works. Just like the prodigal. My friend was the prodigal. He said, but I want to tell you something so you'll know. He said, I've returned to the Lord. Amen. He said, "Here's how the Lord got me. This is that third son I was telling you about." Jesus. He said, "I had a dream one night, and I was laying in a pool of feces and sewage. He said, "I barely had my head above all that." And he said, "I stunk." I was filthy. And he said, in my dream, I looked out of that hole I was in, filled with all that sewage. And he said, there stood Jesus. That third son. He said, when I looked and saw Jesus, he had a beautiful white robe on. Spotless, he said. He, He was so white and clean. And, of course, this time I'm weeping like a baby. I'm getting ready to get mad, though. Uh, This microphone. Uh, And he said, he started speaking to me about forgiveness and returning to him. And he said, I concurred. And he said, then all of a sudden, in my dream, he said, Jesus stepped into that sewage and walked out in the middle of it. Picked me up. Now he's covered with all that sewage. His garment is no longer beautiful and white, he said. He said he carries me out of that sewage in my dream takes me and washes me and cleans me off, takes me to His table for dinner after pulling me out of the sewage. By this time, I'm weeping. It's the best testimony I've ever heard in my life about how God rescued somebody. I could tell His Spirit. And I was just thinking how wonderful the third son is to give us an illustration of the heart of the Father. Do you know that's what this is about? The two sons are in there to illustrate the heart of the Father. And here comes Jesus. So I want to say to you, if you're watching me today, if you're in this building, if you get this podcast, If you feel like your life's in the sewer and nobody cares, we know somebody who cares. If you feel like your life's disappointing and it's went to a place where you can't get out and there's no way out, we know somebody who will come in the mess and pull you out. His name's Jesus. He died a few couple of weeks later. Parents never made it to the funeral. I want to say something to you people that are listening. That think Christians are too religious. Because we have standards. And we stand with God's word. You'll see that when you're in trouble. Nobody will stand with you like a Christian. A true Christian. And I've seen that over and over and over. The people that walk out on God and live their lives and do their thing, when they come to the end of that, all the people they said that were their friends are gone. But you and I aren't that way. We've got to be people who love them no matter what. Amen? We can love the sinner. And hate the sin. And that's how we're supposed to live. Amen. You come to instruments. I wanted to share some things with you like that this morning. To help you understand. That you may find yourself in either position of these sons. But what matters. Is what you've done with the third son. Amen. Let's stand our feet. <clears throat> Lord We. We're so desperate for your love and your mercy and grace. We don't just get saved by that. We are kept by that. Help us to understand that. That we're kept by your love and mercy. That your love was displayed to us while we were yet sinners. And you said that you would stick with us. You would never leave us nor forsake us. You'd be with us to the end. And I'm so thankful for that, Lord. Because as I've seen over the years, many people who have given themselves to others and to the world, and when they come to their end, nobody's to be found. But you're there. You're there offering your love and mercy. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning, either by video or in this building, wherever you're at, and you need to come to Jesus, maybe you need to come to Him for the first time, Maybe this is your day. Maybe you need to return to the Lord. Maybe you've went out to do your own thing for a season and you need to return. Whatever your situation is, maybe you're a person who is full of passion and energy and you've just used it for yourself and not for the Father. Maybe you're somebody that's been hung around the church your whole life And you're disappointed that things haven't turned out differently. Maybe you got caught up in the system. And not the Lord. And you need to see the heart of the Father this morning. God, I pray that each one of us will have a heart for the lost. Every one of us. That You'll burn that in us. You will take care of these other things. You will call who you will call. You will send who you will send. You will equip who you equip. You will anoint who you anoint. But you've asked us to have a heart for the lost. And whether we're like Brother Lawrence washing dishes or Billy Graham filling up Coliseums, may we all have a heart for the lost. As we get ready to worship Him, if you need Jesus, if this is your moment, step out of your seat. Come up here and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're the prodigal and you need to return, today's your day. Come and return to the Lord. You've lived your life for yourself. If you're that older son and you've been disappointed with life and things and you built that shed in your backyard instead of that bridge to the moon, you just need to be reconciled to the heart of the Father for your life. Just come this morning and seek His face as we worship Him.